What's up, OBR Film Breakdown listeners? Before we get to today's show, just a reminder about the $100 in free bets over at the number one sportsbook, FanDuel Sportsbook. Use the promo code OBR today to claim that $100 in free bets. Again, that's promo code OBR at FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. You must be 21 or older, President Ohio. Bonus issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio on 1-1-2023. Unique user identification required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER. Now, the latest on the OBR Film Breakdown podcast. Welcome in, everybody. It's your Thursday, December 8th episode. I am Jake Burns, host of the OBR Film Breakdown, presented by FanDuel. Excited to bring in, on our normal schedule, Jordan and I have been struggling to link up a little bit, but listen, we did a Saturday show. I hope you enjoyed it. I always I always get some comment if we don't hit our usual Thursdays uh, around the NFL from somebody about missing time with Jordan. So I'm pumped that he's here. He's pumped that he's, I think, here, uh, as far as I know. At least he doesn't tell me this on air if he's not Happy to be here. But he's here. Jordan Zerm, what's up, brother? Yeah, I'm actually secretly disgusted every time I have to come on, but I just jot it down in my journal. Like, I've been, you know, that's where I channel my feelings into into the journal. So I'll never let you know publicly. You know, I keep that to yeah. myself. Um, I've heard the most successful people journal. That's the thing I always yeah, hear. Yeah. So yep. it's not surprising. Yeah, that's, so that's why I do it. Uh, no, man, great to be back on our regular time. You're right. There's always like somebody on Twitter will just be like, missed you on Thursday. And I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm trying. We're trying our best here, but we're back on schedule. So nobody yell at us. Uh, it's a it's a good day. We've got a good pod for you guys today. So you know, don't um, don't say we didn't do it this week because we did. Here we are Thursday. Let's well, here get we after are. It. I, I got to share something with you that was pretty pretty awesome to me. I had a, uh, somebody hit me up on Twitter and told me that they uh, you know the Spotify end of year roundup, which I also yep. saw a funny um, a funny little uh, nineteen or sorry it would have been like two thousand six spin where. It was a LimeWire roundup, and it was like, this year you've had 15 viruses, 14 different versions of Red Hot Chili Peppers yeah. song. It was like, oh, God, that's perfect. But that's the, so Spotify, the Spotify roundup stuff is pretty great. But somebody had told me, um, I got to find the picture. I'm not being as quick as I need to be, so uh, folks, don't be mad at me. But they basically said when they, they did the roundup, here it is. Um, and this is a shout out to Gabriel at underscore Gabriel. I think it's 88. Listen, man, this is, these things make my day. He said, nothing like listening to 3.6 days worth of your podcast for the year. I was like, Oh my wow. God, that's kind of amazing. Wow. That's really cool. 5,228 minutes. If there are more of you like that, I would love to shout you out and say something about how awesome it, like it makes everything I do here worth it. And Jordan and everybody who's joined me consistently to know that you guys listen to this stuff and we're not just talking into the wall at our house and never reaches anybody. So that stuff makes my day. So shout out to you. We are 55,000 downloads away from a million for the year. So that'd be really cool if we get there. And I'd love to celebrate with all of you and do some giveaways and stuff like that. So um, I appreciate all of you. Moral of the story. And I know I appreciate Jordan being here and you guys have grown accustomed to him being here. So we have, listen, Jordan, we got a ton of topics, man, that are great here. So and I'm talking just great. We're going to start with Texans recap your thoughts. I got, uh, 
you know, I put my thoughts out there a couple of days. I got some from Jared Mueller yesterday. I just sort of your takeaway a couple of days removed from it. It was gross, but did you take anything away from it that you think is going to matter the rest of the year? Um, yeah, I mean, one is just that Deshaun was much rustier than I thought he would be. Uh, I think you expressed the same thing, but it doesn't really change. You know, it doesn't really change like my outlook for one this season and then, you know, two next season. Like we we talked about this on last week's pod. Like, thank God that that game was against the Texans. Like the perfect, the perfect team to just get everything, all the stuff you needed to get out of the way. First start, um, remembering what the game speed looks like, remembering how to deal with pressure, you know, keeping your eyes down, all that stuff that, you know, he really, really struggled with in that game. Even his even his mechanics a little bit too. So many of those throws just went straight into the ground and he was sort of like really flying forward and with his, with his right shoulder, I I had meant to tweet a couple screenshots of it, but on a lot of those balls, he was just throwing directly into the ground. It was like, what is going on? And he really was just sort of like flying forward with his right shoulder. It was very odd. Um, So there's just a lot of stuff to clean up. And if there was any team to get that performance out of the way against. Um, we were blessed that it was the maybe one of the worst NFL teams I've ever seen play a game. So, um, I mean, I don't have too much more than that, Jake. I just, I think like your article was great um, about some of the concepts they're already sort of installing, some of the RPO stuff that you can already see that they're going to do. Uh, and they had some stuff work really well. A couple of them got called back on holding penalties. Um yeah. And just penalties in general, but like there, there was a a shimmer of like what this offense is going to look like uh, that that is starting to take shape in that first game. And I have a feeling you're going to see a a hopefully much more um, slightly more maybe because it's only game two, but against against the Bengals, like a more ironed out like here's the stuff we want to do. And you could already see, you know, how that's going to change, how much more they're in shotgun, and just the type of stuff they're doing. So. Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was worse than I expected, but I think like it's, it's hard to fully understand how long of a layoff he had until you see it on, on television (laughs) or in person, wherever you were watching that game and, uh, it, to get it out of the way against the Texans and still win that game because the Texans just, their offense is just, uh, there's not an adjective that's, that's proper to, to describe it, but just, um, just handing the Browns a game sort of. So Get out of the way. I mean, they're, they're going to have to be infinitely better against the Bengals. But, um, but yeah, I, I think what you can take away from it is, one, I think the mechanics will get cleaned up. And, two, you, you hopefully you get one game under the belt and it feels like, okay, I know I got to be quicker here. I got to look here. You know, that type of stuff, that, that starts to come back. and Hopefully it's a little bit like riding a bike. I don't think it takes a bunch of uh, squinting to look at that game and understand why Watson struggled. There's pretty clear elements of – why he struggled. I think a lot of us and myself included kind of talked ourselves into why he wouldn't struggle because we're trying to be as optimistic. We, and we're not paid to be negative. I try, I try to be uh, realistic on a lot of things and prepare you and, and cover things from many angles, but sometimes you can, you can get it wrong. I didn't think he'd be great, but I thought he'd be better, but you can certainly see when you sit back and think about it, why, there would be elements of struggle, particularly as I've talked about all week, the pressure element, right? You don't get, you can't simulate pressure in, in quarterback throwing sessions and in practice where no one's allowed to touch the quarterback. You just can't, you can't. So all those live bullets and most of what Deshaun struggled with in that game predicated on people getting after him in a way he hasn't been used to in 700 days. So we'll talk about another quarterback who took a long break between starts here in just a minute, but like 
it matters. It matters more than I think anybody could 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 really reference or understand unless you've gone through it. And, um, you know, when you go look at guys who have gone through a long layoff, right? Like RG3 had a long layoff. Peyton Manning had a long layoff. And listen to what they talk about. It's going to be, it's, it's, I'm just warning you before you even do the research, like, it's a lot of the same things Watson's talking about. Just that you got to get used to it again. So anyway, you reference the Bengals, which is what's uh, sitting here. Bengals are 0-4 against the Browns in the Joe Burrow era. They are um, unable to beat Kevin Stefanski, it seems. They have not beat him. Doesn't make any sense, Jordan. Doesn't make any sense yeah. to me. This is a really good no. team that put the that put the 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 Chiefs on uh, in handcuffs. I mean, they they perfectly play the Chiefs to the point that I haven't seen anyone do what they did to them this year. It was fun, awesome, sitting back watching a team play with no fear against the Chiefs. But then it's like they struggle with the Browns. So do you think? I guess the question is here: Do you expect that struggle to continue, or do you think? Since he's got Jamar back, they're on a roll. They they kind of have figured out this Pirine, Samaje Pirine situation at running back to make him more of a downhill guy. They're more diverse on offense, and the defense is playing a little faster. Seems like they're clicking. But I don't know. For some reason, Cincinnati right now, they don't scare me like they used to. And I think that, you know, the funny thing was Joe Burrow, I think it was today or yesterday. I can't remember if it was today. I think it was today. It mentioned, like, does the Browns defense do something different than other defenses to mess with you? He said, no, they have Miles Garrett. And I thought that was the funniest <laughs> quote, but like, it just seems like they the Browns are a little bit in their head. What do you think's coming this weekend? Yeah, I think it's tough because like you said, I mean, the Bengals have legitimately a top, you know, three offense on paper, like, especially with Jamar Chase and it, and it looks like Joe Mixon is going to be out of concussion protocol and he's going to play. So like their weaponry from Jamar Chase to T Higgins to Joe Mixon, like they're that's a really good offensive football team. And and like you said, like their defense has really started to figure some stuff out. And like this game is ripe for that streak to end, right? Because like they've got Jamar back, they'll get Joe Mixon back. They're playing. They they figured out some stuff on offense that they were having trouble doing early in the year. Um, and the, they're facing a Browns team that, you know, it's trying to work in this quarterback that as we just discussed has looked about as rusty as you possibly can. Uh, it's in Cincinnati. Like there's so many factors here that, that make me feel uh, not confident at all that this streak will continue. But then like at the same time, the Browns have had like worse teams that have just beat, you know, beat these Bengals and made them not only beat them, but really make them look sort of silly. Um, and I think a lot of that does have to do with, with Miles Garrett's success and just some of the stuff they've been able to do defensively and moving guys around and giving Joe Burrow different looks that he's not comfortable with. So uh, if there's anything that makes you feel optimistic, it's that like this Browns team and especially the defense, like they have so much on tape of what they've been able to do and how they've been able to frustrate the Bengals that like the the blueprint for them is there and they've done it. So like that gives me a little bit of confidence that like the defense can actually can hang because they've done it before and they've done it multiple times. Um, my my concern is, is going to be more with like, what are the Browns going to be able to do on offense? Because Jacoby was great in that Monday night game against the Bengals, like probably played, if not his best, one of the best performances in his short sort of time as a starting quarterback. And um, so the question sort of becomes, you know, what can the Browns do on offense now in, in game two of Deshaun Watson? That's really where I think like if there's if there's a reason that they lose this game, it's because the offense is not going to be able to keep up because they're still trying to figure things out. So. Um, so yeah, I, I, I wouldn't say I feel super optimistic, Jake, about the Browns winning. Like this is a, this is a game that seems set up for the Bengals to win. Um, but you just, 
there is something to how the Browns have been able, like, I don't think, you know, four straight wins is a fluke. Like they, they do stuff that makes Joe Burrow uncomfortable and they get after him with, with Garrett and Clowney. And, you know, hopefully that's something they can do and they can limit the points because their offense is still, I think, going to struggle to really, you know, find its rhythm just two weeks into Deshaun being back. To your point, you're talking about a lot of good stuff there. Um, some of it, do, like there are just teams in the NFL who seem to play others pretty well. And I think sometimes it yep. skews, it skews my perception of Cincinnati where I'm like, ah, they're not, not that good. And then they're eight and four. They beat the chiefs. And it's like, Oh, okay. I guess apparently they just struggle with Cleveland. So, um, you know, and that's, what's weird is that the, the Browns are coming off these rough runs of, of games. They play since, and they're all of a sudden pressuring Burrow like crazy. Got him checked down, checking down constantly. And it's like, yeah, this is bizarre because they played better in games that Jamar still wasn't there that they found answers for. So, I'm not uh I'm not sure. It's it's going to be worth studying again to see if the the Bengals solve it or if the Browns you know are able to to score enough to make the Bengals have to maybe not consider running as much as you would hope. That's the only that's the only remedy, right? I think that that's something we've all been thankful that Tampa and 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 especially the Texans whoever had Kyle Allen throw the football 39 times should be put in coaching <laughs> prison. I just cannot fathom how you would have Damian Pierce, this Browns run defense, and not just continue to try it until you can't try it anymore. They, uh, the last two weeks, of, I get Tampa wanting to throw with the greatest quarterback to ever live and some pretty fantastic receivers, and you can't fight that urge, right? You know, But, but I couldn't believe the Texans went the route they did. I will be fascinated if another team who's built to throw can fight that urge and, con- and continually challenge the Browns run defense. That's what will be... Uh, this will be really fascinating to me. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back from that break. We have a little lightning round uh, with a ton of NFL. Th- there's not a bunch of great NFL topics, but there's a ton of things here we can hit on for like a minute each. So we will uh, be right back and then we'll jump into this lightning round. Hey guys, telling you again about the fantastic offer coming up from FanDuel, America's number one sports book, which is coming to the Buckeye State at the turn of the year. They're already available. If you go in, sign up, you get $100 in free bets with an early sign-up bonus. Now, again, reminder, you cannot get this offer if you wait around and do it after the turn of the new year when, when it's a go-live date for sports betting in Ohio. You have to do it early. You get an early sign-up bonus by using the promo code OBR. Very simple. Just OBR. Get that sign-up bonus. Right, Get $100 in free bets. Just have to download the FanDuel's top-rated sportsbook app. Safe, secure, super easy to use. I already do it for some of the shows that I do on Sundays just to look at lines and give advice. Download that app. Ohio, it's your chance to get in on the action. Join today. Again, promo code OBR. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Again, the disclaimer, 21 and older. You'll be present in Ohio. Bonuses issued in non-withdrawable free bets that expire seven days after FanDuel accepts its first real money sports wager in Ohio, 1-1 of 2023. Unique user identity verification is required. Offer ends on the go-live date. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So how are we going to set this up? I'm going to give you a topic, maybe a quick surrounding sentence. Just want your immediate reaction to it. Okay? Fair enough? All right. I'm ready. ESPN, Seth Wickersham, fantastic writer did a profile on Andrew Luck. If you didn't read it, I don't think you have yet. If anybody else hasn't read it, well worth your time. Andrew Luck last played 2018. Why does it feel like 2012? The last time Andrew Luck played it feels like forever <laughs> ago. What is up with that, man? Where is time gone? I don't know. It is like when I think about Andrew Luck, I for whatever I'm like, ah yeah, like 2014, that was the last time he played, right? For sure. Like he's gone on and had a whole nother life and yeah, for it to only be like four seasons ago is uh Frankly, it's unacceptable. Like that to me, that that doesn't him. seem like it should be part of reality. I don't yeah. think. I miss him. He actually beat Patrick Mahomes in a playoff game. That and again, he's like this quarterback ghost of the past that I cannot, I can't. I just forget about him. He was so good. Such a sad thing that I mean, good for him. He seems to have yeah. walked away from the injuries and everything that tore him apart mentally. But but the NFL is worse without him. Put it that way. Um, and this story is fascinating because it's like a look at like how it changed a bunch of coaches you know, from Reich to Pagano to Ballard and where the Colts are now. It's just a, it's an interesting read. Um, I mean, the, the, the domino effect, is, it, the domino mm. effect is really, is really crazy Wild. To, to think about with the Colts, uh, how that has sort of affected where they are now and, and the firing of Reich and Matt Ryan, who, you know, this, like I, when we think about Matt Ryan, thinking about his probably one year with the Colts is going to be so, so strange and because it's yeah. just like, it, yeah, so the domino effect of, of the luck retirement has been pretty wild. Just how many people, you know, family members and all yep. of it. It's crazy. Um, Titans fire their GM midseason. You know, the last time I can think of that, there's probably been others. I'm sure there have. Was uh, John Dorsey showing up to a press box late in the uh, 20, <laughs> was it 2018 season, going on the radio yep. talking about, oh, I'm only going to go out and get real players. Um if you need any other reminder of why this is a bad thing and what the Browns are trying to avoid, this is an example, right? Because the Browns have had, I think, enough evidence to make some moves, but it's clear that they're trying like hell to do right by some coaches and and by, you know, because a reminder, you have to not only if you remove on from your defense, court, hey, we want to bring a new guy in. They have to want to come to Cleveland. There's that element. And they're trying. it seems like trying to do right by this and trying to also stay away from midseason firings. Do you think I'm right on that or wrong? No, I think you're right. Um, I think, I think unless it is really dire, um, a, a midseason firing is something to be avoided, kind of at all costs. And I, I think too, what's so, especially in the NFL, man, like week to week, things change so much. So you know, you could fire a coordinator a week before his team was a, you know, that defensive squad was about to click and about to get it. You know, this stuff can take time. And I think even with you know, Joe Woods is obviously the biggest name. And I mean, legitimate, legitimate gripes, uh, legitimate calls for, for the Browns to probably depart with him after three seasons and, and what we've seen. But like, they've had some decent performances over the last couple of weeks. And, and not to say that that should preclude the Browns from 
for moving on from him in in any way, shape or form. But like the mid season thing, the in season firing, like, you know, things have settled down a little bit uh, defensively for the Browns. And it's like, that to me is a reason in a year where I do think like the whole front office too, is probably just like, we're not going to make any major decisions until next year because of what our record is of what our playoff chances are of trying to shake the rest from Deshaun. And then, you know, next year is that year we go fully forward. So yeah, it was a bit of a shock to see that news kind of come across the wire because it is just such a, it can be such a jarring thing to, to people in that locker room and, and to the organization when you just let somebody so prominent in the organization, whether it's a coach, GM, whatever, like when you just ship them off mid season. So that was pretty, that was pretty wild. I mean, I, I have no idea if this was, I'm assuming this was in the works. I wonder how much, if any, the, the AJ Brown revenge game played into it. I don't think it probably did at all, but man, the optics of that, and I know there's organizations in this league that will make some knee jerk reactions because of stupid stuff like that. But man, AJ Brown didn't have to, he didn't have to go as hard as he did on the Titans. I don't think yeah, he really, he really he's, just he's was bullying. Him. He was bullying dudes. Um, I I wonder if there has ever been a trade, I was thinking about this, that like has worked out so perfectly for one team and just, you know, the Titans drafted Traylon Burks to try and be this A.J. Brown replacement. And outside of a couple of glimpses here and there, like it's been, you know, night and day. I just wonder if like seeing A.J. Brown just turn into what he has turned into in, in Philly, uh, I, I just – you have to think that that the organization that traded him, even though it was their decision to trade him, like that, that can't look super great optically. I just wonder what, I just wonder internally, like what's going on there. I'll tell you what, that didn't help. We can, uh, we can be sure that that is the, maybe the, the piece that pushed it a little bit over the edge in terms of a decision to let that, that, that GM go, whose name I can't even remember off the top of my head. Anyway, we're going to jump to uh, a Russell Wilson, which we haven't talked about in a while. We're not even going to talk about Russell Wilson. We're just going to talk about the results of the Denver offense, which are uh, 1960s bad. Here's the points scored by the Denver offense this year. 16, 16, 11. Hey, 23, 9, 16, 9. Hey, 21, 10, 16, 10, 9. Can you imagine? You know, the the time of... of I, I watch Colts fans. They're pretty... Colts analysts who cover the team, they're so checked. They're ready to be done. Houston guys oh, yeah. couldn't even find a guy to come on the pod. Um, the, the the expectation and excitement from we got Russell Wilson, got him, traded for him, locked him up long-term to this, where you have had two games of 12 that have gone for over 16 points. That's unbelievable. That's unbelievable to have that be your outcome. I just, I don't, it's not a question. It's just a, I can't fathom it. That's such a crazy, and that's kind of like in the back of my mind, always something I'm fearing with, with Watson a little bit here of like, if they lose the mojo, they never get it back. You're sort of scared of that with Russ, but I just can't, I can't imagine how those who care about the Broncos are feeling. Maybe we should have a therapy session with some folks over there because that's gotta be rough. It's gotta be rough. Yeah, that's gotta be rough. I, I mean, we were saying before we start recording, like it shouldn't be possible in the 2022 NFL to score less than 16 points that many times. Like it just shouldn't be possible. Like you should fall, you should fall into 16, 17 points every game. Like it just is, it's stunning. And then, you know, to watch them 
lead that game against Baltimore the entire time, but only scoring nine points and then just let <laughs> just like, I think they converted the, the Ravens with, with Huntley converted two fourth downs on that final drive. And it's just like, man, I mean, everything in Denver is just a nightmare. Uh, and I don't know where you go from here, man. I don't know what the plan is. Um, it just shouldn't be, it should be impossible for them to be this bad. Uh, it's been wild to watch. Wild to watch. And um, they are leading in the Rod Chudzinski uh, saga. I don't know how I'm going to phrase it. It's the Rod Chudzinski scenario. They're leaders in the clubhouse where it's a, a first-year coach is just fired. You know, uh, doesn't even get a second year. So that's I always want to name that, the Chudzinski. Um, yep. uh, next, next topic, Odell. Seems like he wants to play football, but his body's not ready. He thinks it's ready. Cowboys are saying he's five weeks away. I don't know if Odell knows that, but that's like the end of the year. So doesn't seem like Odell's going to play. Um, and I'm looking for your reaction to sort of where he is. And then the the weird news of the day, which is Von Miller apparently has an ACL tear. Von Miller says, I'm back in a couple weeks on his pod. Doctors actually go in and look at the knee and they're like, oh, hey, man, good news, bad news. Good news, we're done. Bad news, you also tore your ACL. So, you know, let's move on and carry on. It's like, what? So apparently this guy tore his ACL and, it's uh, probably a good um, a good reminder that year to year, you know, the Bills lose that crushing game to KC. Great offseason. You get Vaughn feeling great, and you just never know. You never know when the injuries or the bad luck's going to hit at the wrong time, and nothing is guaranteed in this league, man. Nothing's guaranteed. Yeah, it's wild. The Odell stuff is so odd to me. Um, it's odd that, like... Jerry Jones is just so public about everything, man. It is just oh, like, for, it's just such a weird concept for them to like sort of bring in Odell. You know, he gets this like VIP treatment. He's going to the Mavericks game with Micah Parsons and, and Trayvon Diggs. Like they're, they're, they're rolling out the red carpet for him. And then the next day, Jerry Jones is just like, yeah, no, uh, we got the physical back and uh, we, we actually don't think he's anywhere close to being ready. Like, I just, I don't understand. Is it a tactic? Like, is it a, I, I don't really understand what he's doing. And if I was Odell, I'd be like, what, why did you give that interview? Like, we just tell me that privately. I don't know. Just, I'm so weirded out by the Cowboys, man. And like how Jerry Jones runs that team. And um, I don't know if I'm Odell, like I would just, I would just wait until I was fully healthy, man. Like there, you know, there was a, I forget which guy tweeted it out. One of the NFL insiders, they all look exactly the same. Uh, but that, you know, the, yeah, they're all clones of each other. Like that the Rams all last year were privately very worried about Odell's leg because the surgery like did not go, did not do what it was supposed to do. And they were holding their breath all year. And then in the Super Bowl, um, their fears were realized. And so it's like, okay, man, like you just like, if you don't get fully healthy this time, I mean, and one more injury of that kind, and that's probably it. So it's like, if I were him, I mean, I think he's been enjoying this little free agency tour. And look, all power to him, man. He's go do your thing, get wined and dine, do it all. You deserve it at, your, at this point in your career. But like, I don't know. It's just the whole situation is very is so strange to me. So I, I don't think he's going to play, especially after uh, what Jerry Jones said. But that would piss me off like if I'm Odell because the Cowboys aren't the only team that has been looking at him. So for him to say that publicly is very strange. Um, the Von Miller thing, yeah. I mean, it sucks that he's out. But yeah, like that process is so from him just like defiantly being like, I think I'll be playing next week. And then they put up, they're like, well, no, you're going on IR. He's like, okay, fine. And now they're like, Hey, actually, by the way, uh, we looked at your knee and uh, there's uh yeah, you tore your ACL. So 
It's just like, wow, what a, what a saga that was. But yeah, it sucks, man. I've, I've been a Bills. Like, I would love for the Bills to get to the Super Bowl. I, I thought this year, like, that would be fun. They're so easy to root for. Buffalo yeah. has just, you know, you know their struggles in the Super Bowl from the past. Like, it would just be awesome to have them there. And you just don't know. Like you said, like, stuff just – injuries in the NFL are constant and will always be constant, and you just don't know – when a big one is going to hit and their defense has just been decimated all year, man. So uh, they got some, they got some pieces back, but now you lose Vaughn. And I don't know, man, they haven't looked, they haven't looked like the bills of the first couple of weeks um, in a little while. So I, yeah. I don't know. We'll, we'll just have to see. They did. They do deserve some credit for winning three games in like 14 days or something stupid that ended oh, up being between was like a Sunday, Thursday, Thursday. Right. I think something yep. like that. So they do deserve get the credit there. And it was funny. I saw some on-off splits with, I think Anthony Reinhardt, our OBR, oh uh, yeah, put up about the SIS on-off splits. It's like I would probably not trust those if they're trying to tell you that you're better with Von Miller off the field. That's probably pretty. Dumb. It's uh, it's one thing to do on-off splits for the NBA where there's five players. Uh, it's another yes. thing to do on-off splits for a defense made up of eleven guys who are all doing very different things. So I don't I don't even know why. To be honest, that's a, a stat someone would take seriously it's wild but you know people are gonna do it they're gonna they're gonna do it they're gonna do it they want the engagement sis not your best work um three quick hitters and i mean we gotta be quick on these all right right. three college topics i want to hit dion colorado does he figure this out first of all what'd you think of his opening video and then uh where he's talking to the team and uh, giving his spiel about we coming and then um um (laughs) does it work do you think it works um I I like I like that he's at a Power Five school uh, mm-hmm. I, in a kind of Power Five conference. I like it. I think whether or not it is successful or if it fails, like I just think it's it's good uh, for college football that he and the energy that he brings and like who he is. Um, I think it's good. I mean, Boulder is a. <laughs> we'll see how he meshes uh, in in Boulder, but like it's it's cool. Um, I I do get a little like. I think you, you roll your eyes a little bit at some of his sort of speeches that he gives and, and the stuff he said, like the first minute he walks into the building with the guys that are still on the team, basically like, you can transfer. I don't care. Get out of here. Like I've got plenty of people coming. It's very like, all right. Um, and I think like there's been some really interesting conversations about what he promised he was going to do at Jackson state. Uh, and then he just kind of acted like every other coach in the history of coaches and, and took, uh, more money and a and a better job. Um, so there's there's some really Bo, if you haven't seen there's a clip of Bomani Jones who went on um, CNN to talk about it. And it's really really good. I think I retweeted it a couple of days ago. But just like he talks about himself as like this messiah, and you know you kind of he's always been like that. He's a huge personality. You just sort of have to deal with it. What I will say, Jake, is that I do think he is a master recruiter, and I think he mm. he is he knows how to use social media and uh, he knows how to create content and he knows how to make make a program feel important it's what he did at that hbcu which was awesome um and now it's what he's going to do at colorado and like there are going to be guys that would never in a million years consider going out to boulder colorado to play football for the buffaloes but dion's going to make it cool to do that and i have no doubt I don't think recruiting is going to be an issue for him. I just, you just wonder like beyond that, now that the competition he's playing is going to be at a much, much higher level. You just wonder like as a coach and, and as like his staff and all of that, like how that's going to turn out. So that was not a quick answer whatsoever. But my, <laughs> my answer is basically, I think it's awesome. 
Like, I think he, like, this should happen more often, like take chances on coaches like this. And he's going to bring a really fun atmosphere. Um, I have no idea if it'll work or not, uh, but, but I like that it's happening, I guess is where I'm at. Yeah. I mean, Colorado signing the coach from San Jose state's not going to move the needle. This has them in the public limelight and it is the perfect time with Dion in this transfer portal bubble before the rules kick in where he can just basically rewrite the team because of this scenario. And I'm just pulling for him. I just would like, I would like college football success to not all look the same. That's kind of where I'm going to leave it. I just, I would like it to be different people, different styles, different approaches can find success in college football as a head coach. And I do think he's a lot of flash. He's always Dion, but at the heart of it, he was a technically sound, great football player. I think he's a pretty good coach. I think he figures out good people to run some of the stuff around him. And um, he also knows football pretty well himself. So I hope it works out. I really do. I was just going to say to your point too, there are so many boring college coaches. There Mm -hmm. are just so many vanilla, boring offenses that are, I mean, look at Iowa football, you know, like just the most boring, horrific, especially offensively. Like, man, like, why would you want that? You know, like I would rather, I don't care if Colorado struggles immensely on offense, at least there's going to be an atmosphere around it. At least they're going to try to do some interesting and innovative stuff. You know, like I would so much rather to your point, like I would like to see that succeed outside of like, you know, another Kirk Ferentz or somebody just running this vanilla unimaginative offense that does nothing. So uh, I I think that's a really good point. I like how you phrase that. And I do think they're, I mean, the PAC 12 is a good place to take a team that yep. can rise up and be good out of nowhere because the Pac-12 still doesn't really have a dominating force. Yeah, USC has come on a little bit, but we saw that they're flawed. Utah's going to lose a lot of important pieces. Oregon's lingering. UCLA's losing some pieces. It's an interesting time in that conference where if he would have gone to the SEC, you know, and taken a program similar like Missouri, never mind, we'll move on. Um so that would have been cool if you'd have went to Missouri. You would have moved back. You would have oh, moved I back. I'd have been living in a dorm in Columbia, baby. Like I would have been right back there. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Listen, college coach question number two. Last one, I promise out there. This has got to be quick. Best you can do. Jim Harbaugh flirted with the NFL like crazy. Literally wanted the Minnesota job last year. Does he do it again? Does he flirt with this stuff again? Do you actually think he leaves Michigan? Um. I think he'll, I think he always wants to go back. Um, my, my bigger question I think would be, does a team, the Harbaugh, it feels like he has a cycle, you know, it's like what happened in San Francisco. It's what almost happened at Michigan before these last couple seasons where you get really tired of his antics and sort of his personality. He's such a weird guy. Um, I think he, he salvaged his, uh, he salvaged Michigan a little bit with, uh, especially this year where they legitimately have a very good, a very, very good team. And they're actually running a, an interesting offense, but like there's a cycle with Harbaugh where he sort of wears out his welcome. I, my question would be more like, does an NFL team want to do that? If you know, like the shelf life is like three, four seasons and then players, especially if they're struggling are like, I don't want to, this dude, I don't want to interact with this dude. Cause that's what happened in San Francisco. So I don't know, man, but I think like, yeah, like he's such a big name. Uh, if Michigan somehow wins the college football playoff, like that's huge. Uh, and maybe that makes him like, all right, I did it. Time to check out the NFL again. So I think that door is always going to be cracked open, but I, I think it'd be more the NFL team that would have to decide, like, do we want to do the Harbaugh experience? Yep. I think so too. I think that's why you heard him lobbying for Minnesota 
not so much the other way around. I do think his name has been floated a little more than I heard last year. So we'll keep an eye on that real quick. Jackson Smith and Jigba declares for the NFL draft. Um, people had held out hope he'd play the Michigan game. It held out hope he'd come back for this, um, this, uh, this, this playoff run. Todd McShay today says NFL scouts think he has been healthy enough to play and his is taking the time to, to protect his draft status. And that's always a dangerous business to put that out there publicly because the parents of Jackson Smith and Jigba have come back at him about the health of this. I, I mean, I just will never understand why that was. Is it first something you want to tweet, which I saw several people tweeting about Not that the Ohio state fan base doesn't draw those terrible takes all the time, but it's like also putting that out there on ESPN, questioning this kid's uh, desire to play college. Why, I mean, just don't get what good comes from that. I just don't know what good comes from that, you know, especially for McShay to put that out there, you know, like yeah. you can filter that. You can filter it. Yeah. I mean, that's basically you're getting scouts with some, these guys all have these agendas. And if you're getting told by a scout, like, Hey man, I think, uh, you know, and Jigba's doing this for himself, which like my, my other thing too was like, okay. And what if he is, what if he is just, what if he's healthy, but he doesn't want to risk injury playing in the, in the college football playoff like who that that's a very normal thing that players are doing now and they should do like they should protect themselves so the whole the whole concept even if it's true i just am like i don't care i don't it's just all yeah just a really in, weird thing for him to tweet and uh, he's getting some pretty big blowback and it's pretty deserved definitely deserved in my book it should be uh it shouldn't be something i mean i, I think there <laughs> i just think there should be a filter like i get you're being told that but you don't have to put that out there on ESPN. No. So anyway, anyway, hopefully, hopefully something can be learned. But I feel like that is a repeating issue. We're going to take our last break. Uh, if you are not interested in uh, anything on Guardians and Cavs, you can uh, turn this pot off and have a great day. Otherwise, when we come back from the break, uh, I want to and, and listen, I appreciate you being here. If you're going to turn this off, I appreciate you coming by for the Browns and NFL talk. But we're going to come back and talk Cleveland around Cleveland a little bit. So we'll be right back. All right, Cavs beat the Lakers last night. Love that. Um, you know, love LeBron, obviously, but always enjoy uh, being able to to beat him in any return to Cleveland. They're 16-9, and nine, uh, you know, still a very good team, figuring out who they are. You know, tough game on the road against the Knicks, but uh, have beat some teams that matter lately. Where are you sitting on the Cavs now? You feeling pretty good about it? Like, uh, it seems like they're gelling a little. Still, it seems like they need to figure out that fifth starter role, but for the most part, it's still it's a, it's a damn dangerous team night tonight. Yeah, I mean, I th- I think what Donovan Mitchell did to the Lakers was, you know, why you got Donovan Mitchell. Like he is a flat out superstar. Um, he can he can hide a lot of your warts. Like the Cavs have not been shooting well from three for after being like the top three. They had like the top three three point percentage in the league for like the first couple weeks of the season, and that has definitely tailed off. Uh, and it sometimes it doesn't matter when you have Donovan Mitchell who can just get to the hole literally whenever he wants. And um, he yeah, plays so they, much bigger than he is. He just plays oh, huge. Plays huge. He can take contact without it altering him off his path to the hoop. And he's his first step is so quick, and he can stop and start. I mean, yeah, he's an incredible basketball player, even more incredible than I than I ever imagined. They one hundred percent are going to have to figure out the wing position. Um, because Have even you found us a wing Lakers, yet? We need a wing to trade uh, for. We've got to find us one. I mean, I've got plenty of I got plenty of wings that I would love to be on the Cavs. It's more of a prototype um, that you would that you would look at. Like 
you even look, I don't know how pr- people are probably not watching a ton of Denver Nuggets basketball, um, uh, especially in Cleveland when those games are on late. But they have they have a player who actually helped the L.A. Lakers win a championship in the bubble uh, with LeBron. His name is Contavious Caldwell Pope. This is not somebody that they're going to be able to trade for. I think the Nuggets have him pretty firmly in the rotation, but he is the quintessential three and D and just a guy that you can rely on. Who's going to hit shots and you cannot leave him open from three. You just can't. Now he's not going to do a ton else besides play good defense and hit threes. But like right now between Isaac Okoro, between Jetty Osmond and Lamar Stevens and whoever else they're trying to put in that spot, it is just, you're just not getting anything. And even Karis Levert has really completely tailed off. And until, until they find somebody who can consistently knock down shots from that position and take good shots and the defense has to worry about, like I can't consider them a NBA finals contender. Um, I can consider them a playoff contender for sure, but that is the spot that they're going to have to fix. I'm sure the organization is well aware of it. Um, but right now that's been the biggest disappointment is there, there just hasn't been improvement, especially from a as, as everyone is sort of well aware. Um, but that's the spot they're going to have to find. And when Dean Wade is injured, it, it just makes it even more glaring because you just don't have anything. You're not getting anything from those positions. So, um, but I think it's good to know your weakness. Uh, and I, I am sure that if we know it, the Cavs know it. Um, and I'm sure they will be busy at the deadline looking for guys who are getting bought out, like whatever it may be. Uh, I think they know the, the space they need to fill, but um, outside of that, man, it's still, you know, they're 16 and nine. They're a ball to watch, especially at home, best home record in the NBA. So um, having a ball. Well, that's what I would ask is like, are they, do they have an asset or assets to trade? Not for somebody huge on the wing, but, a Caldwell Pope type. And I just like, do they even have enough given up everything they did to get Mitchell? Do they even have enough to get a guy like that? You know what I mean? That's what I'd be curious. Or do yeah, they just play mean, the buyout market? I think you'd, you'd have to sort of try to find a team that would a, you know, take like, if you wanted to move a Coro, it's like, Hey, you know, he's still super young. This is only his third year. You can, I think you could sell a team on the potential of Okoro. Um, maybe there's a pick that you can include. Maybe there's, hey, like we'll give you Okoro and Chetty and, or like Dylan Windler, who may never actually ever play basketball. But like there's, I think there's a little bit, there's a collection of guys and, and some picks that I think you could dangle out there um, and, and see if you could get a bite on it. Now, I don't know exactly what team that would be. And there's people that know the trade market and, and the value of that stuff much more than I, but. I do think there are paths that are more than just like, well, let's wait and see who gets bought out. Um, I think there's there's opportunities there. Now, whether or not they do it, they decide to do it this year or not, I don't know. Um, but I, it's going to get to a point, Jake, where it's going to be so glaring um, because what you know, a Coro, even now, it feels with a Coro, it feels like there's got to be a decision made sooner or later um, because he can't just play basketball and not score points or do anything. So. Um, so we'll see. We'll see what happens. But it, the weakness is identified, and they're still able to sort of thrive um, without addressing it yet. So that, that's good. That's fun. Garland, Garland, Mitchell, Allen, and Mobley are an absolute ball and are one of the best young cores that will be in the NBA for years to come. So that is something to get really, really excited about um, and hang your hat on. I would say, yeah, it's imperative for a core to just do something. Just you know, Literally just- anything. We would take something from you at this point, young man. So hopefully he figures that out. Uh, that's good yeah. on that's good on the Cavs. We'll keep updating you on them every week. 
And uh, this is, I know, this is why you come here. This is why you come here. Um, Indians, this Guardians. Come to the pod, baby. Man, God, I can, I t- I'm like four for four on calling them the Indians one time. Um, <laughs> and I never do that like in my private life. I'm just, it's weird. Yeah. You get on, you get on something where you got to record yourself and call them that. Anyway, the Guardians, listen, some good news, right? I think they were never going to chase the biggest names, right? The Turners, the, uh, some of the other big ones that have kind of sat out there, the Contreras, the 85, 90 million contracts, even those that aren't that great, but, but are uh, second tier. But they did go get a player we all feel pretty good about them uh, using, playing, and thriving in, in Cleveland. And a guy that we all know now, you had a, uh, a tweet about well before, kind of putting this thing out into the ether years before, uh, you know, Josh Bell. It's, it's a fun signing. It's, what, it's a guy they needed. I hope they're not done. Seems like there might be a trade on the horizon, but a guy they really needed, right? Yeah, man, he's perfect. I mean, I know both of us were disappointed when Jose Abreu went to the the just yeah. the ask, just going to the Astros. Like, why, why, bro? Don't do that. But um, you know, there was disappointment there. But Josh Bell is younger, um, switch hitter, which means he can play. I think the biggest thing is like twofold, right? Like he can he can DH when Josh Naylor is playing first, and although he's a bit of a defensive drop off from from Josh Naylor. He can allow Josh Naylor who just cannot hit lefties for the life of him to not play against lefties because he is a switch hitter. Um, And he brings you more power and they desperately, as you and I have touched on on past pods, uh, they cannot, this, this team cannot survive not adding any more power. Um, And Josh Bell gives you that. Uh, And so I think it's like, it was absolutely a perfect signing. Um, Yes. As I mentioned in my tweet, I gave, I was actually driving, I was driving Uber uh, in 2019 uh, at that time, and I picked up Josh Bell's parents from the Cleveland Art Museum because uh, they were in town for the All-Star festivities because Josh Bell, as a member of the Pirates, was in the Home Run Derby that year. And I was driving them, and I was like, where am I taking you? And I, I think it was, I took them literally to the stadium. Um, and they said something like, our, our, son, our son is in the Derby. And I was like, who is your – I was like, what? I was like, who is your son? They were like, oh, Josh Bell. I was like, oh, yeah, for sure, of course, just casual. Uh, I guess you're Josh Bell's parents, uh, but they were the nicest people ever. So I'm, it's come full circle. You know, I hope uh, I'm going to give them a call. Be like, hi, I drove you in an Uber once in Cleveland. Do you remember me? Um, and I'm yeah. sure they will. So yeah. What's up with that? Sweet. Could you guys hook a brother up? Um, yeah. Be like, then I, I, I made this happen. Do I get a chunk of the salary or yeah. like what's going on? Let's work this out. I will say I have a not so similar story, but sort of similar in terms of a car. Uh, Ohio state plays Wisconsin in that, I think 14 big 10 championship game. And yeah, Thumps them 52, nothing pretty, you know, blitzed in the, in the, uh, bust back to the car, you know, that you, uh, you know, it's, it's a group and I'm just, just, you know, kind of going after Wisconsin, I think relatively respectfully, but was pretty hard on Joel Stave, which would be a, a name you haven't heard in a long time, but he was the, the typical terrible Wisconsin quarterback who was holding them back. Oh yeah. And somebody turns around and is like, that's my boyfriend. Could you please shut the F up? I was like, Oh, I am oh, so sorry. Man. So that's oh, no. Jake's, uh, Jake's story of, of running into a, a significant other or meaningful family member of, of you think uh, they're, um, of, you think they're the still family. together? Or do you think that that night you brought them up? It's possible they got past it, but I was laying it on thick. Let's put it that way. Yeah. I was not mincing wow. words on that one. Um, <laughs> And Love listen, it. he was the start of, uh, not the start, a continuation of many that has led to the continuation of many. And now they've hired Phil Longo, who's going to bring the air raid to Luke Fickle in uh, Wisconsin. All what we would expect it. Do they need to trade for Murphy? Do they need to, do the, do they need to trade 
these assets for Sean Murphy. Uh, I'm interested. I did not know it would be such a pressing thing. I kind of had thought Bo Naylor was going to lo- sort yeah. of launch into that role, but it seems like a lot of really smart Guardians people uh, I follow have been pretty adamant that they think they need him. Do you think they need him? Um, yeah, it's a great question. But yeah, both at the trade deadline and now, right now, there people are very like, this would be the perfect fit for the guardians and uh, who am I to disagree with smarter people than I about mm-hmm. this? So, yeah, I mean, I think the thing with Bo Naylor is like, I wish people a, would say that yeah. about the Browns with me. Most people are just like, that guy's wrong. <laughs> he is wrong. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. I, uh, I can start. I'll give you that respect. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think the thing with Bo Naylor is like, yes, he had a great season last year um, and got called up to AAA and, and that was good. But the, but the year before there was a lot of concerns. So I think like maybe the guardians one don't feel completely sold. Like he's the catcher of the right now uh, and they mm-hmm. want to see more development. Um, and two, I mean, I think there was just the timeline got accelerated, Jake, like last season. I think they played they played so much better than anyone in the organization, I think, expected that now you're looking at, like, real contention um, next season. And I don't know if they want to hang that on Bo Naylor being an everyday guy that they're expecting, you know, production out of from the catcher spot. So I wonder if that has to do with sort of, one, why, why the smart people that we have mentioned uh, with like Sean Murphy. Um, but two, I wonder if I- internally and, and in the organization, they're like, you know, we should give ourselves a little bit of leeway. So we're not relying on a rookie catcher, uh, you know, to expected to hit 20 home runs from the, from the catcher spot as we sort of chase a world series. So um, I think the, the updated timeline changes things a little bit. And so do they mm-hmm. need Sean Murphy? I don't know. I think, I think everybody and probably myself included would feel better about a known commodity than like trying to project what Bo Naylor could do uh, in his first like full season in the major leagues. It would be nice to have somebody hitting at the catcher position that actually has a, has a feel for doing it. That's my, that's my, that would, uh, that would be great to to get any offensive production from the catcher spot is a win for them. I I miss you, Jan Gomes. I'm just going to put it out there into the ether. I miss you. Uh, Hope you're doing well. I hope you're doing well. This is fun, dude. I appreciate it as always. Uh, a lot of, a lot of topics, and it's a welcome sight into my non uh, Browns brain uh, as often as we can, man. I appreciate you. I know the listeners do too, and hopefully everybody's happy that we got back on the regular schedule, my man. Yeah, nobody yell at us, okay? Here it is, Thursday, piping hot. It's ready to go. Um, yep. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on, as always. Um, only a few more weeks of the season, which is wild. So you, we got to make these count. Got to make them count. He's Jordan. I'm Jake. Hopefully you guys have enjoyed this show. We will try our best, our best here to, uh, to make this happen through the holiday season. Jordan will be doing a lot of traveling. We'll try to find some time, maybe record some days in advance. Now that we know just how important this thing is to you guys to get this out for your regularly scheduled content consumption, we will try our best again, Jordan. Thank you guys. Thank you for stopping by Uh, a reminder. If you have a cool story about Spotify, I would love to hear it, man. I really would. And um, if we get to a million downloads by the uh, end of December, I want to do some fun giveaways. That'd be, that'd be really great. So like, like all your support, uh, I genuinely bottom of my heart mean that that makes it worthwhile and all of that. I, I'm not, that's not phony. That's very real. So thanks for stopping by today, guys. Have a great Thursday. We'll be back with John Colosimo tomorrow. Have a great uh, Thursday and go Browns.